the news, I have a few asks and would love to have a conversation. So let's do that. Welcome to the Refined Podcast with Amber Anderson, where wedding planners like you come to be encouraged and challenged through radical honesty, tough love, and brilliant ideas. As a former personal trainer turned wedding planner and now educator, Amber is known for helping wedding planners grow through her no BS yet considerate and thoughtful approach. The Refined Podcast tackles the issues you think about but fear bringing up, all with Amber's trademark sass and wit. So as you listen, be sure to hit that subscribe button, making sure you never miss that one little nugget that could change it all for you. pros welcome back to another episode of the refined podcast for wedding planners today i'm hoping to speak into the relationship between wedding planners and venues and about some things that i think that we can do together to help shift some things in this industry i can't win them all i can't be all things to all people and i know that there are going to be things that i say that we disagree on and i am perfectly okay with that quite frankly i don't need hate emails but i would love to dialogue. So if there is something that you disagree on, let me know. Share your perspective so that I can also be educated. Maybe there's something that I say that you very well could have a counterpoint to that I say, oh my goodness, that's such a great point. Let me go back to my community of wedding planners and point that out and let's find a better solution. So again, let's not get you know into it over emails, but certainly let's have the conversation. So my inbox and my DMs are open for that. Okay. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about publicized capacity limits on our websites. So we're going to talk about inclement weather. We're going to talk about being more clear on the differences between venue managers and in-house coordination. And we're going to talk about taking commission from caterers. I am going to probably get feisty on a couple of these things, but really and truly, my heart is good. My intentions are good. And I want to find common ground and solutions that are good for all of us. And really and truly, for the, I'm advocating for the couple here. Okay, so uh, let's talk about publicized capacity limits to start. I often see, first of all, I want to state that I understand that event spaces are hosting all kinds of stuff. You're hosting galas, fundraisers, proms, reunions, uh, dinners, you're posting, you know, all, ki all kinds of functions. Weddings are not all that you host. So this conversation is specific to weddings. Weddings typically involve, you know, dinner and a certain layout. And when they come in the doors, having seen 500 person capacity on your website, they assume they can invite 500 people. When all in all reality, that might mean 500 people standing, it might be people, 500 people cocktail reception, it might be 500 people seated dinner. Which is it? So if you're not asking that question in the tour, I, I would like to ask that you do. Because what can end up happening is they leave, they book you, neither one of you ever even, you know, talked about that. And all of a sudden, they go sit out there, save the dates, get overwhelmed, decide they need a planner. We start having that conversation and, oh my gosh, now we've got to add $20,000 to the budget because I have to do a build out in your lawn because you can't actually see 500 people. Does that make sense? So no one, put yourself in their shoes. You don't want to get tagged with an extra 20 grand if it's you or your kid or whatever, if, you know, if we can avoid that. Now, some of you are flat out being sneaky about this and it's just wrong. So stop. <laughs> I, I, that's all I know to tell you, like, stop. It's not cool. Like it's really shitty actually. So stop. We see you and I'm not scared of you. And there are a lot of planners that aren't. So maybe you're doing just fine with your bad ethics, but I'm telling you karma is coming. So stop. Um, 
be cool about it. Ask the question. Make sure that's clear because what ends up happening when we're not clear is that the client gets frustrated and then all that stress implodes, explodes, all of that. And it's like, it was it really worth the money they gave you in the first place. Like our roles are so hard right now. So stop making it harder, please. Because then that trickles down to all of us. It makes bajillion more hours of work for me, a bajillion more hours of work. It's just so much more for everybody. And then like, there you are walking off with your 10K to Mexico and having all the kind of fun sipping your margaritas on the beach. And then we're all just like miserable. And it's just, why? <laughs> please stop. So be more clear with those capacities. Stay on your website, 500 standing, 300 cocktail reception, 150 seated, things like that. And then also just ask the question so you make sure that people walking in your door understand what those capacities mean and how many people they can invite. Inclement weather. Let's talk about that. I would really love if you could join planners in shifting our language from rain plan to inclement weather. Sure, a DJ, a photographer, a band, all of those categories can help us with this as well. But venues and planners are on the front lines of shifting this language. And the reason I'm encouraging of this is because when we say rain plan, it doesn't encompass everything. It doesn't encompass wind or, uh, you know, sandstorms or droughts and heat advisories. It doesn't account for snow and ice and all the different, you know, road blockage and flooding, and it doesn't account for all of that. So I think that we need to shift our language and we need to be talking about it soon and fast and early so that we can get our couples in the right headspace and mindset. Okay. So headspace makes or breaks an experience for a couple. It's not if or when, uh, it's not if something's going to go wrong or be outside of their vision and daydream. It's when, right? So if we can just talk to them about that and make sure that they're comfortable with the inclement weather plan up front, then we're much less likely to experience their tension as it rolls around. So I think that we have a lot of ground we can cover here and some, I think that we can really care for our clients and couples well by doing this. One thing that I also do is that if a couple comes to me and, and, and hires me as a planner and they have a space that I know full and well they are going to need a tent if it rains or they're going to need this side or the other for whatever reason, inclement weather-wise, then I'm going to have them contract that right away, okay? I'm in a Texas market. You could be looking at your dark sky weather app and it show completely clear while you're looking up to the sky and it's pouring down rain on you. Like it's just so unpredictable here. And so I'm not gonna get to a week of a wedding, see rain on the radar and have to fight everyone in town for the limited number of tents that we have or source them from other cities. It's just too much. It's too much. So I have them I have them I have them sign a contract for all that stuff within two weeks of hiring me. So maybe you do that, maybe you don't. I don't know. I, that's just an idea for you. All right. Let's talk about being more clear on the difference between venue manager and in-house coordination. I think we know the difference, I would hope, but I don't see it communicated very well to couples. I think couples often think that the venue manager is doing more than they do. And I think a lot of times venues think outside wedding planners and coordinators are doing more than they do. So to get on the same page here, venue manager should be, you know, you're taking care of the space. You're making sure that the air is on, that the toilet paper is stocked, that the paper towels are picked up off the floor in the bathroom. You're sweeping up the glass when it breaks on the floor. Uh, on the dance floor, your or catering's doing that. Uh, Y'all can work that out, out among yourselves. I think that you know if there's electrical issues or a window breaks or 
you know, those kinds of things, a venue manager needs to be available. I have worked with venues that do not have an on-site venue manager. You have to call that person and they come. That is so dumb to me. I don't understand it. It's so dangerous. It's so risky. And it means someone else is doing your job without getting paid for it. So like, are you going to pay the professionals that are there stocking the toilet paper for you? Because like, I'm sorry, that's, that's not my job, point blank. So if you're charging what everyone else is charging in your market, but then like I'm doing your job, see where I'm going with this? Like, it's just, it's not cool. Um, you are your policy enforcer. So I'm not there to pour out the alcohol that the groomsmen bring because you don't allow it. I will tell them they can't have it. I will remind them. I will reinforce it, but I will not go in there and say, give me your alcohol. I'm pouring it out. Like if it's your policy, you get to do it. And that's what the venue manager is, is there for to kind of run your ship. Okay. And yeah, I hope that came out. Okay. Let me know if there's a question there or if we disagree on anything. I'm okay having this dialogue. But that's the perspective of a wedding planner, that we are there to run the ship of the people. You are there to run the ship of the building, okay? And it's really, really helpful for you to have that person there on site. And I will say it's very rare that I've seen that a person is not there on site. I think the news generally generally get that. So um, that's not an indictment. That's just a plea on like, please understand that. So, and also I'll, I'll tell you it's for your benefit because I've seen it backfire where it turns into he said, she said, and then there's damage to a venue and they weren't there to protect it or point out or figure out who did it. And then it becomes an insurance issue and whatnot. So having your person there, like your venue in our market, like venues are worth a lot of money. Like some of these venues are worth millions of dollars. So like protect your investment, right? Okay. In-house coordination is very different than a venue manager, even if owned or even if operated by the venue themselves, right? An in-house coordinator, you're going to have both. You should have both. If you have an in-house coordinator, you still need to also have a venue manager. They shouldn't be doing both. It's too much for one person to do unless there's like a team and like you, you just need to have separates, okay? An in-house coordinator is going to be doing kind of what the independent wedding planner and coordinator does, all the like management of the people, the timeline, the layout, the flow, uh, helping the logistics, connecting the logistics between all the wedding pros, all of that, okay? Here's my thought process on in-house coordination, though, as a whole. And just something I would ask for you to consider. Those of you doing this probably don't care about it, but there might be some of you that just haven't thought about this piece, and I wonder what it does for you in your mind. So I'm just going to, let's just talk it out. I don't think it makes sense to have an in-house coordinator because I don't think anyone can serve two masters, okay? So in this situation, it's going to benefit you the most, but just as far as like ethics go, I just, I don't think it's fair. I, I don't think it's fair. So often they're not paid very well. They're not paid properly. So I'll say that in the first place. And then a, a coordinator's position and job and role is to advocate for the client, right? But if they're working for you, like you're feeding, they're the hand that feeds them and you're continuing to give them more and more clients. What happens in a situation where the client is upset with the venue about something or the venue, you know, is upset with the client about something who they're stuck in the middle in this weird way. And they can't advocate for the client, which is their job because they have to align with you. So, I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole of like what all that looks like, but I just kind of think that through. I would encourage doing some, obviously, I mean, I think independent 
coordination and wedding planning makes more sense. I think you get more creativity. You get outside the cookie cutter. There's there's just a lot more that opens up there. And it's it's better for the client. If we're going to talk about what's best for our clients, like that genuinely is what is best for the client. You can tell yourself all day long, well, we know the venue, we know the space. Great. A great wedding planner, that's not an issue. Um, taking Removing the whole serving two masters thing really, I think, outweighs all of that. So I think too, we genuinely want to work well with you. Like we want to have that good relationship. We don't want to step on your toes. We do all do things, you know, we don't all do the exact same thing. Neither do you. So it can be helpful to not expect or to come at a, a, an outside planner and say, well, all the other planners do this. Well, it's like, okay, cool. But I'm glad that works for them. Uh, we don't have that service and and I'm happy to provide it and there is a fee for it. No big deal. Like without that being an issue, if that makes sense. So like, you know, I've had, I've had venues come at students I coach and say, well, all the planners here cut the cake. And it's like, well, planners aren't supposed to cut the cake. We don't have a food license. We don't like, that's, that's the caterer's job. And so if we could both remove that from our language, I'm speaking to planners here too, and just say, well, all the venues do this, or all the planners do this, all the photographers do that. I think we'd all be better off. We could stop making assumptions and just ask questions like, hey, how can we get to this solution? Hey, how can we find an answer to this need or service as opposed to like, well, everyone else does it. Like, that's not the American, the American dream is like, you go build a business, you make it what you want it to be, and you offer what you want it to be. So like, stop telling people, everyone else does it. Does that make sense? So yeah, we need to have some cohesion. We need to normalize some things. And that's the point of this con the of this podcast. I'm trying to align us on some things. So don't let that be a contradicting statement. My point though in all of that is to just have conversations as opposed to coming at each other. All right, last thing I want to talk about is taking commissions from caterers. This is not necessarily, this doesn't totally affect me as a planner. Planners are not, I'm not speaking on behalf of planners in this piece by any means. So I guess we could separate this from like a planner's plea to venues as this is titled and this just be like, I'm willing to say it. So I may as well. I think it's really wrong for venues to take commissions from caterers, especially if you're not transparent about it. There are a lot of venues that say you have to hire to your couples. So you say you have to hire one of these five caterers and then you go to those caterers and you say, and for every couple you contract here we get 10 percent, but you can't tell anybody and like why like, like that's such bullshit it's such bullshit like charge what you need to charge to make your money and stop making it off the backs of those that make you shine like a caterer makes or breaks a day right so why i don't get it. i just don't get it it just doesn't feel right to me it's really slimy i feel like and i feel like if you're going to do it just say, hey, look, we have this work, we have this, this is how our, our, this is how it works. That way it's transparent with the clients because what ends up happening is this is, this doesn't, this does involve planners. When a, a planner takes a couple to four venues to site, do site visits and they can pick and then they kind of narrow it down. They start getting some, you know, we look at flowers, cake, and I'm sorry, we look at venues, flowers, and catering pretty up top because those are the big ticket items, right? So they kind of start looking at the puzzle pieces and they're like, why is this caterer cost this at this venue, but cost that at that venue? And they like see the difference and like, but we're all bound to these NDAs and can't tell them, oh, because they're like charging you twice for stuff. Like, it's just not cool. 
because it's all in this weird position and like why are the clients paying for it in that way just put it on your just charge what you want to charge for a video and they just know they're you're gonna get the money either way so I don't know it's just weird I think it's your way of making your venue cost feel lower to them so they book you and then hook line and sinker haha we still get money from you and you didn't do your due diligence and so your caterer costs more here and then they then they realize it and they get mad but they're all locked in it's just I think it's bad ethics I think it's bad bad for karma so my ask here is I'm just pointing it out I think it's wrong I think it's gross and I would you know in my perfect world you would all stop that you can throw tomatoes at me in mud and tell me to go stuff it all you want. You're not going to change my mind on this one. You could change my mind on anything else I said today. But this one, I just think is wrong. Be transparent or just charge what you need to charge. Okay, that's all I've got. My inbox is open. My DMs are open. I am happy to talk about this. I really, truly mean it. Let's bridge the gaps. Let's better our industry. Let's have these conversations. All right, love y'all. Catch you next time. Bye.